This is another lineup of the Patreon previews. Uh, earlier, I shared on the feed some clips from episodes I covered between 20 or, or films I covered rather film or TV shows between 2018 and 2022. In this case, these are all films I covered uh, from September 2022 on when I did a decade series for my final episodes of my Patreon podcast, where I covered all these different films from various decades, starting with the 80s and then moving backwards and forwards. So I did the 90s and the 70s, the 2000s and the 60s, and the 2010s and the 50s. So you can hear uh, you know, clips from these uh, that I'll play in the order that they were released. So first up, I started with the 80s, and one of the films in focus was Desperately Seeking Susan. Really, the important part as far as we're concerned for the story, for the theme is that Roberta now thinks she actually might be Susan. So she gets to live out this fantasy more than uh, a person in that situation normally would. And this guy, Des, played by Aidan Quinn, uh, falls in love with her, this movie projectionist living in a loft in Soho. You know, this is a whole other era in New York where you can live in the heart of Manhattan and it's kind of grungy and cheap and uh, dangerous, but, you know, affordable, (laughs) which is uh, not the case anymore. And... So, you know, it's it's a portrait of this whole milieu. It's a fun exploration of this character and her longings. And I think one of the uh, things I enjoyed about it, I guess slight spoilers for the end if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it and you care about the plot or whatever. In that same episode from September 2022, I covered the film Top Gun. Aside from enjoying the kineticism of it, um, the Giorgio Moroder score, and of course, all the, the pop and rock songs in it that Tony Scott plays over and over and over again, uh, definitely add to that effect. But I'm also just sort of fascinated by the cultural, uh, uh, I, what would I call it? Like, I don't know, the time capsule quality or whatever. Like it, I feel like it captures something of what kind of happened to American society in the 80s where you had this kind of conservative backlash to the 60s and 70s, but it incorporated and gobbled up some of the aspects of those decades, some of the sort of, um, you know, what the excitement and the youth culture and kind of combined it with older forms in a way. In a follow-up, I continued the 80s theme even as I moved on to other decades, and I covered three more films, including Red Dawn, and there's just just immense sense of like loss and sadness, and it's a fascinating contrast in a way with the politics that it most aligns with as they manifested in that decade. Um, in some ways, I guess in another perverse way you could connect them, but it contrasts in the sense that like Reagan's America was all about sort of um, throwing away any sense of stoicism. And it was like, just feel good. And here's, you know, kind of indulge yourself in this way. Tell yourself that, uh, you know, you're you're patriotic and traditionalist, kind of just indulging your own greed and your, your kind of uh, whatever makes you comfortable, basically. I also discussed Do the Right Thing. Now, I don't know if the Malcolm X, Martin Luther King motif was planned beforehand, and he brought it and said, hey, why don't you be doing this on the... Uh, set, but I, th- I think it was something the actor actually had in mind. So it's interesting if that element became so prominent in the film. Now it's interesting at the end of the movie when they have the two quotes, they have the Martin Luther King quote about violence degrading the person who enacts it, even if it's in response to violence, and 
Malcolm X saying that uh, violence is not just appropriate, but like sensible as self-defense. And it's interesting because what happens in the movie within the movie is not presented as being about self-defense. It's about, it's a, it's presented as being an expression of frustration and in tribute to the eighties. And also to Jean-Luc Godard's recent death at that point, I covered his film Hail Mary. When this was shown at the New York film festival, there was that think of this for like a Godard movie. It's just fascinating to me um, for this obscure art film from France to cause such a sensation that tens of thousands or thousand, I think 8,000 protesters descend upon Lincoln Center and disrupt traffic just to protest this movie's existence. But I feel like in addition to just the blunt, oh, they're showing Mary Naked objection, there was maybe a sense from anyone, I think most people never watched it, but maybe if they kind of got a sense, even a sixth sense of what was maybe going on here, this idea of God is like a brutal dominating force. Um, which the film certainly plays with, like the Mary has a monologue kind of condemning him and calling him a jerk and all this stuff. Moving back to the 70s, my film in focus was Clute. Seeing it now as it's meant to be seen, not just in the, you know, the the Blu-ray crispness, but also those like the, the widescreen compositions where the characters are compressed and they're trapped, but it's within these expansive frames. So there's a sense both of them being trapped and also of all of this sort of danger surrounding them. You get both in that visual style, which is quite compelling, in the soundtrack, uh, the eerie music by Michael Small. Almost sounds like a, like a child's voice kind of floating through the, the distance and weird tinkles and stuff on the, on the score. And it actually reminded me, the score in a way, of Rosemary's Baby. And these are two almost oddly similar films. And for the 90s film in focus, I covered Pulp Fiction. As you're watching it, you just realize, no, like what what makes this film stand out so much is just its moment-to-moment brilliance and immersion. I also feel like, um, again, that that first sequence, kind of most famous, it sets the film up perfectly. But as I was watching it, I was kind of like, okay, there's a bit of a familiar feeling to this at this point. Uh, Not just the dialogue, but also kind of the scenario it's like hey the hitmen who are like down to earth and talk like normal people but also are very stylized if any element of pulp fiction was sort of like you know uh ridden to death after this it, it was maybe that and there's something sort of adolescent about the conception again it's brilliantly executed wonderful start to the movie but it's the stuff that comes after that that i think really makes the film great i actually had another 90s film in focus because i wanted to uh coincide with the Halloween theme, so I covered in October 2022 Bram Stoker's Dracula. Beautiful production design, costume design, uh, the art direction is by Andrew Precht, production design by Thomas Sanders, um, the cinematography by Michael Ballhaus, who has, of course, uh, shot many of Martin Scorsese's films. It's just such a vivid, gorgeous film. I didn't quite remember that part of it. I knew it had this kind of gothic atmosphere and was you know, had some memorable visual flourishes, but it's like this fantastic combination of silent cinema, giallo, and uh, God, I don't even know what else, just just Coppola's kind of operatic sensibility. I can't think of, I mean, certainly Apocalypse Now has some memorable uses of color, but I can't think of another Coppola film which uses color in this particularly vivid of a way. For my 60s film in focus, I chose another Godard film, Weekend. 
I mean, it's still Godard. It has this romantic streak to a certain extent in it, but it's more uh, withholding that kind of uh, emotional engagement than than many of his other 60s films are. Uh, this is, as I said, the terminal point for that kind of uh, uh, rapturous cinephilia, like everything's starting to go sour for him at this point. He's getting sick of movies as an end in themselves and yearning for something else, a political engagement that he would throw himself more into in the coming years. And so this is sort of uh, <laughs> like a weirdly like it's almost like a narcissistic suicide, you know, this this film where it's still in love with the thing that it's killing. And I continued the 60s theme in uh, December with a Christmas New Year's tie in covering the film The Apartment. She's on the self-destructive path and she says we're both you know, there are people who take and people who are taken, and we're both taken. And there's just something poignant that I love about that, this idea of these two characters who are both, you know, this is a film, it's it's got, it's from 1960, it's got pretty sharp gender dichotomies of what the role of men and women are in the office, and yet they're so similar in a way. You know, these two characters, they have this kind of bond that in their own unique ways and their own ways that sort of society allows and facilitates they're at the mercy of more powerful people and uh there is just something really pointed about people both in that situation kind of finding each other and finding strength through each other and finally continuing to move back i covered all that heaven allows the douglas sirk melodrama for my 50s film in focus Everything is sort of pristine and right in place, but it's not like suffocating. Something about Douglas Sirk's work, he's able to be meticulous in a way that feels uh, freeing instead of uh, sort of controlled, if that makes sense. It's hard to describe. Max Ophuls has a similar kind of sense. I mean, in his case, there's more sinuous camera movement, so it kind of makes sense that it feels open and fluid. With Sirk's work, it, it feels a little more contained and yet somehow just every like his his touch kind of animates it in a way that's sort of vague and spiritual but that's that's sort of how it feels it's like there is a stillness to it and a depth now you may note that i talked about moving forwards and backwards but i didn't mention my films in focus for the 2000s and the 2010s that's because those were actually released publicly so Southland Tales and Under the Skin are part of this public feed. You can go listen to them uh, right here where you're listening to this. Now, in addition to those films in focus, I also covered a whole lot of films from each decade in capsule form. So these are usually one to five minutes, sometimes uh, could range up to less than 10, but uh, usually within the one to five range, I would say. So for the 50s, these films were Jailhouse Rock, Sweet Smell of Success, Shane, From Here to Eternity, and Bell, Book, and Candle. I'm not going to play clips here because there's so many, and these were short uh, discussions anyways, so there'd be no point. But uh, you can check those all out, links in the show notes. For the 60s, I covered Bonnie and Clyde, The Graduate, Midnight Cowboy, The Swimmer, Dr. Strangelove, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, A Charlie Brown Christmas, The Manchurian Candidate, and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. For the 70s, I chose Superman, Network, Saturday Night Fever, Nashville, Dog Day Afternoon, and The Muppet Movie. And then I also, uh, in the 80s, covered not just films from the 80s, but also 80s-related films. 
and uh, so or or TV show. So Stranger Things, uh, Poltergeist, Beverly Hills Cop, Witness, The Breakfast Club, Wall Street, Twins, The Hunger, Top Gun Maverick, The Goonies, Gremlins, Midnight Run, Scarface, and Book of Mary. For the '90s, I covered Exotica, Magnolia, Thelma and Louise, Reality Bites. Boogie Nights, Scream, Gremlins 2, Romeo and Juliet, Set It Off, The Firm, The Pelican Brief, The Client, The Ice Storm, Dangerous Minds, The Muppet Christmas Carol, The Witches, Heat, The Blair Witch Project, Edward Scissorhands, Election, Groundhog Day, Total Recall, and Dick Tracy. For the 2000s, I covered 300, No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, Zodiac, History of Violence, Brokeback Mountain, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, The Darjeeling Limited, The Dark Knight, Gangs of New York, 500 Days of Summer, The Ring, The Departed, Mystic River, The Descent, Saw, Idiocracy, Anchorman, Zoolander, and Fahrenheit 9-11. And finally, for the 2010s, my capsules were on Jurassic World, Knives Out, American Sniper, Mad Max, Fury Road, It Follows, Personal Shopper, The Phantom Thread, Fahrenheit 11.9, Uncut Gems, Gravity, Straight Outta Compton, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, The Big Short, Joy, Mother, Fruitvale Station, Carol, The Witch, Hereditary, The Love Witch, Looper, 13th, Snowden, Birdman, Bridesmaids, Baby Driver, The Great Gatsby, and John Wick. I also talked about Donnie Darko in the box, but I made those public in my Southland Tales episodes. You can already hear those publicly. And I will note in my final episode, my episode 100 of the Patreon, I did actually continue the 2010s theme and even covered a couple 2020s films, but that was such a packed episode, I'm going to provide uh, another little mini clip show for that. So that'll be a separate uh, upload on this public feed. If you want to follow my Patreon, you can become a patron for a dollar a month on patreon.com slash lost in the movies. Keep in mind, you'll get access to not just these titles I mentioned, but many, many, many hours of other topics, including films, politics, um, and other you know various subjects. Uh, links will be in the show notes to explore all of that. 